Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. We are live. I am on with Phil, Philip Lackin. And Philip and I actually connected in the social vibes um, through a Periscope. I think initially it was a, it was a Periscope, Periscope video that you did, which appeared on yep. Twitter. And then someone mentioned, I think at some mark, that you had mentioned Dub. And then I, yeah. and then I ended up watching your whole thing almost. And I was, I was like so delighted by your experience. What was that like for you? That was the first time you were on Periscope, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's so interesting. So first time on Periscope, I think I like messed with Periscope, like, you know, a long time ago when it first came out and I, you know, watch it here and there and, you know, get like three or four people to watch it when I was just doing it. But, uh, I was like, I saw people going live on Twitter. Yeah. Right. And I was like, Oh my God, how are they going live on Twitter? And then I realized it was Periscope. So I've just been a big fan of just, um, I was never really into like long form writing. It was never really my thing. But video and audio always really made sense to me. And so I was like, oh, yeah, uh, I just am going to go live on Periscope, put it live on Twitter, and see if anyone wants to talk about B2B SaaS today. It turns out people do. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was – well, I mean, what, what I really appreciated about your talking about B2B SaaS was that you know a lot about the topic, and, you know, you're, you're a big – big guy on product hunt and you, which means so many things. It means you're an early adopter. It means you see stuff before a lot of other people. So that was really interesting from my perspective to just hear your voice and to learn from you. So that's why I wanted to, I wanted to chat with you. What has your experience been like being an early adopter and being on product hunt and just seeing stuff the way that you have? Oh man. So for me, I, you know, I've been on Product Hunt for a while now. I'm absolutely like, uh, it's something I check almost every day, right? Mm. Um, and I love it because for me, so, you know, part of my job, literally my day job at Compass, right, is like the solutions architect for national ops, is to know about every single uh, like internal tool that could ever be used, an internal tool that's coming out. Like literally, it's known that a part of my job is to be a walking Product Hunt for everybody at Compass, right? And so it's like, Phil, I need a tool for this. And then I can like make recommendations. So like, uh, I genuinely just love learning about new tools. I love cross-industry intelligence. Um, like, I, I, it's so interesting for me to see, for instance, like what one area is doing maybe in consumer that it's like, oh, I can bring that over into B2B or, oh, that's interesting, right? So like mixing and matching. Um, I'm a huge fan of like no and low code solutions. I personally don't know how to code. And so, uh, learn, you know, being able to implement ideas into reality, both in like the startup world and the compass world without needing to code has been huge for me. So I'm constantly learning about new ways to do things, new integrations, new ways to build. So yeah, product has been like an amazing discovery vehicle for me, but to be really honest, product hunt is great. And I love it. But do you know what is almost performing better for me than Product Hunt right now? From what, from what perspective? Performing in what perspective? From a discovery standpoint. What would no. you guess? Um, I mean, I, Twitter is too obvious of an answer. It's probably something sure. a little bit newish. Uh, I yeah. don't know. It's, it's, so it's the opposite of new, right? Okay. <laughs> it's 
Facebook. Oh, okay. In two regards. So Facebook ads are phenomenal. In yeah. fact, to me, Facebook is a bunch of like personal like stuff that I have to get through to get to the ads. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're yeah. the guy that actually goes and searches for the ads. That's incredible. Oh my so God, I literally search for them. You're not going to yeah. be an adopter of, you know, Apple's new browser or some of the, you know, some of the open Gross. source browsers that- Take that, all that my just, cookies. <laughs> yeah. Take it, take it off. I like they're so good at recommending. Like I can't tell you the amount of times at Compass or uh, like in like my side project where I've like looked like a rock star to people just because I knew a recommendation based on like what Facebook told me I should be looking at. That's it's incredible, unreal. So yeah, I, I've meant I tend to into RFPs because of Facebook ads. <laughs> I tend to agree with you on this because I don't mind targeting. I don't mind if algorithms, advertising algorithms, Facebook, Google, YouTube, all the rest are actually learning about me based on my behavior, what I like, and then serving me those yeah. ads. Because guess what? I would rather get those ads than ads that are completely not meant for me. Because at least right. I'd be like, maybe I'd buy that product and maybe I'll watch it. And then by watching it, I'll kind of see what right. other people are doing for ads. <laughs> oh, listen, if I'm going to be like, look, they say like, if you're not paying for the product, you're the product. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so if, if, I'm, if I'm paying with my own information, at right. least like give me some relevant stuff. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. Well, well now, so what I'll do on Facebook, um, it's like a fun trick that I do. So if I see something that I like on Facebook, right. Or something that I find interesting, like a B2B SaaS product, mm -hmm. right. I will, uh, like it, potentially comment on it, click through to whatever they're wanting me to click through to. So I basically am trying to train Facebook. I want more of this stuff. Mm. That's that's affinity marketing. That's perfect. That makes yeah. total sense. I'm literally right? playing Tinder with B2B SaaS ads. Well, know? see, one of the things that I've always wondered is that why don't they make that process more transparent? Why does it have to be such a long-term discovery process from an algorithm perspective? Maybe I would fill out a nice little form that says, here's the stuff that I want to see and here's the stuff that I don't want to see. Oh, I mean, yeah. Right? I, I don't know why. Yeah, they I mean, they have, have like a don't show me this anymore, I think. They have the negative you know? stuff. But like, what about the positive stuff? Like, I, I legitimately yeah. want to learn about SaaS software. So show yeah. me those ads. <laughs> Show me that stuff. You know what it is? I think they, they would never want to make it too much like that because then they can't put stuff in your way that you specifically didn't ask about, right? Mm -hmm. right. Which is how they make a lot of money, right? right. So like right. for every five B2B SaaS ads I get, I get like one garbage consumer product. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, I, I actually, one of the things that I think about a lot is you know this idea of these, these affinity audiences from an advertising perspective because- at Dub, we're always looking for sales professionals, marketing people, people that want to communicate with video, want to boost their B2B outreach, reach, which is obviously what we're going to get into. And sure. what is the other thing that they like to do? Do they buy BMWs? Do they like dark chocolate? Like how else can I target them so that we're more intelligent? Because there's not always that perfect group that you can select. So I feel like that's one of the things I'd love to see happen more from an improvement perspective of figuring out oh, what, yeah. that, what that master Venn diagram looks like. Right. You know? Like where are these people living and communicating and talking? And, you know, I will also say the other really big thing, speaking of like where those people live and like what they're doing, this also blew my mind. And this is a very, re this is like a really recent discovery of mine. This may be like, I don't know, four or five weeks into understanding this. Um, so LinkedIn groups, right? So I love LinkedIn, huge, you know, like if I'd yeah. say the 
two platforms I'm probably the three platforms most active on, like LinkedIn, uh, to two most active, like LinkedIn, Twitter, right? But one product in Facebook beyond like the feed where I'm like getting all these ads, right? Which I love. Um, I'm telling you, Facebook groups is the only place where the SaaS community lives. You're like so right. It's so weird. Yeah. You'd think it'd be on LinkedIn, right? right. It's not. Right. LinkedIn groups is a total failure, yeah. right? In my opinion. Totally. Right. Just totally shot the bed, right? Like, right. you know. Um, but Facebook groups, oh my God. It's amazing. So I've taught I've I've got more leads from just going into Facebook groups and being like, hey, here's my Calendly. If anyone wants to talk to me about like anything in the no-code world or automation or B2B SaaS, just put time in my calendar. And like literally have nothing to sell you. I just like want to talk to you. And I genuinely have like nothing to sell most of the time. I'm just like, and in fact, like I just want to help people learn no code, you know? And that's, uh, that's you're so right. Unbelievable. There's yeah. so many SaaS people in, uh, in, in Facebook groups. It's unreal. You know, when, never when man, you're spot on. I, you know, I feel like when Facebook made that choice of we're going to go into groups and we're going to go into video. Yeah. I feel like they it was this like double double headed dragon and it was this two prong approach where they they wanted the best of all worlds because that's of course Facebook. They wanted to ex exploit people's mind share and get as much noise out there and just put those silly videos on watch. You know, they're so they're so bad now. Some of those videos on on watch. They're, I'm like, "Oh, I'll oh never, yeah. Because I'll never get that 2 yeah, minutes they're, back." They're optimized. Yeah, right. They're optimized for like viral trash, right? It's crazy. You know? Viral trash. And then the groups, and then the groups is like like-minded people. And then if you are in the right group, if you are in that SaaS discovery group or digital marketing, oh my god, or, you know, we I've have a, learned yeah. so much and met so many people. But you, right. you guys have like a, a group. And we have a right? we have a group. We have Dub has its own group, and it's yeah. honestly one of our best channels out there. And the reason why that's the case is because there is a there's a code of conduct. I think in groups now in Facebook by now people kind of know. Yep what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do in a Facebook group. And one of the things that you can't do is bother people, be too super salesy. You have to be educational. And that has just helped everyone because of that inherent, you know, sort of like code structure. I think we all benefit from that. So that's- Well, it's also tied to you as a human, right? Yeah. It's not like where you're creating a burner Reddit account and be like, please buy my stuff, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> like, right. You know, it, right. Uh, it's you. And I think there is that code of conduct on groups where it's like, you, you know, you're not going to get much by just like posting a link being like, Hey, please use my thing. Like you have to be adding to conversations. And you know, the reason that like uh, people who are selling stuff in B2B are talking to people, you know, whose job it is to do outreach, right. And be social and be like community managers or whatever it is. The lack of people's willingness to just like talk to people in conversations, opposed to just like posting and trying to honeypot people too, is like also mind blowing to me. Like, one of my is just to go into these groups, you just answer people's questions. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's huge. Or go on Twitter and just add my two cents. You know what I mean? To different things, right? It doesn't cost anything. It's why is it that in in B2B outreach, why is it that people are still hung up on this idea of like going for the kill? Like I'm gonna go to your I'm gonna go to you, Phil, on LinkedIn. And I'm going to try to sell you something right in that first connection request. Why are people still right. doing that and not laziness. doing what you just mentioned? Laziness. It's lazy. It's just laziness. It's just spraying and praying. You know right. what I mean? Right. It's right. just like, it, it, you know, um, and, 
yeah, you know, like you can send an email to a hundred people, you know, and you can be hitting some BS KPI or whatever. I have to send a hundred cold emails or whatever, whatever, whatever. But like, you know, um, uh, there's a VC down here daily. I'm forgetting his last name. He's amazing. He just put on Twitter the other day. He was just like, uh, you know, cold outreach emails work, you know, if they're personalized, like I've never, I've responded to every personalized cold outreach email I've ever received, you know? And it's he, like, I read it's that. I read that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that gets, he's a, uh, it's so funny. He in actually, there mind, was a qualifier. He's in the what husband he's... of Cat Cole. That's like who he is to me. It's like so funny. <laughs> it's like Cat Cole's like this, like mega superstar in Atlanta of like everything business and operations. And like, that's her husband. So like, it's like daily who's cat's husband. That's right. Oh, thinking. that's a trip. Yeah. <laughs> he would say the same thing, by the way, on our first call, he's like, Oh, I totally married up. And I'm like, Oh yeah, she's a rock. <laughs> that's really cool. Uh, he, I respect a venture capitalist that a puts their email address out there on their bio, on their, on their website, oh, yeah. on their Twitter profile. And that legitimately responds to people. And by uh -huh. responding, it doesn't mean that you have to, say let's talk for the rest of eternity it can be like this is not a good fit i'm sorry you know yeah. you don't have the traction you don't have the social proof you don't have the revenue that's totally cool but just to get a response that that's that's next level and i'd say only about two percent of them do that no it's it's so big and um i think part of my goal is like i'm i'm growing and evolving in like the SaaS community right is i never want to be fully locked away from an odd like from an open general audience do you know what i mean yeah i spend like an hour or two every single day like monday through friday like every single day talking to like b2b SaaS founders random people who want to talk about no code from the internet like um just people who want to talk about the stuff that i like that i think i can add value to i just make appointments and talk to people right and with no, no goal in mind <laughs> Right. You know? Well, that's the best part because yeah, I, I, people be like, what? So, what are you like? What's what? You know? And I, I, I just, I, I, I always tell them the same. I'm like, listen. At the end of the day, I'm probably going to spend an hour a day talking about no code. My wife's right. tired of hearing me talk about it. So, yeah. really, I'm going to talk about what someone wants to hear it, or <laughs> <laughs> or she has to hear it at the dinner table. <laughs> so there's no like putting stuff out there, like being personalized, and like looking to add value, looking to help people, right? is so much more powerful. Like one of the books that shaped like the whole way I see sales and all this stuff was like a book I read very early in my, early on in my career called go givers sell more, right? Mm -hmm. Not go getters. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, it's so interesting. Like just by like going and making the kind of every little Facebook group, every interaction, like what am I adding? What am I bringing to the table? Right. The thing is when I truly need something, it'll appear. It'll be there, but mm. in the like, what garden am I, am I cultivating by the day that like when I actually need something, if I do, I can just ask, right? And it's just there, mm. right? Well, you know, you know when that becomes really relevant is when you find yourself looking for a job, and you realize oh, yeah. for the last twelve months you didn't do any networking, and all you did was you were heads down, you were selling, you were behind closed doors, you were not giving value. And then when you need it, you're like, uh, yeah, it no, one's, no one there. cares. <laughs> no one cares. And like, um, 
I also think that that's like the power that we're going to see in like this economy where it's like more competitive than ever for people to get jobs is, is going to be the power of personal brand is going to be massive for people. Yeah. The brand. And I think the companies that support people who build personal brands are also going to be, you know, get higher levels of talent than than brands that don't. Well, know? there's a there's a certain there's a separate certain corporate vulnerability that has to happen at that point because if when the inherent idea of a personal brand is a person that's getting themselves out there, they're being potentially yeah. you know courted for another gig, you know you have to right. be vulnerable, um, right? But but I agree with you that that level of confidence is what ultimately is going to acquire knowledge and network and resources and more talent, you know. Um, if I oh, were yeah. to come want to work for compass i'd be like i want to work for phil because i vibe with phil and he's the reason why i'm here it's not because of the company it's not because of the tech it's because of the person you know oh and people have literally reached out like when i like i go every year back to my college right to uh help like with the entrepreneur department like we do like a shark tank competition we like speak to students in like small classroom settings right um and i can't tell you how much recruitment i've done for compass Mm. through that just yeah. by, you know, people being like, well, where do you work? What do you, what do you do? You know? Um, and uh, that's like, I, you know, I must've, you know, 10, 15 people, right. Just for, you know, like applying to compass through that. Right. So it's just being a good member of the community and be willing to put stuff out there, hosting hackathons, doing talks and lectures and joining panels. And, you know, I think the other thing that, the other mistake that I've made, I made for a really long time was I always thought I had to be like some massive expert to just like get out there and start mm. speaking about stuff. And like, that was so false. In fact, more people were attracted to what I had to talk about because I'm just like a guy in the weeds. Like I'm just figuring shit out. You right. know what I mean? Right. And so that was interesting to people because I was maybe only two steps ahead of them as opposed to 50, you know? Well, I love that because it's your perspective and it's watching you in the process, discovering and learning something. And that's why I enjoyed watching that Periscope, which was a long video. That thing was like, I don't know, 40 oh, minutes yeah. or something. I didn't realize how long it was until I was, I was like, oh, wow. I just talked by myself. <laughs> like, interruptions. I was like, this guy is just going on it. I'm like, this is really interesting. It's like watching. It's so much more interesting to watch someone's perspective learning, being a part of the process and to get their their notes on it than a person saying, okay, guys, today we're going to learn how to make, you know, LaCroix at home, you know, like I, I just right. love the perspective, you know, right. I love that. So uh, shout out to you actually for dropping that type of content. Please keep doing it, man, because um, oh, one of the, yes. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I will. One of the things I was going to say is, you know, YouTube, like the, the Phil channel, like what? Where is it? Is it there? Are you doing it? <laughs> it's going to happen. You know, I, uh, I've i been experimenting with like what I want to talk about in like smaller ways. So like the live stuff has been good. Um, uh, I've been like playing around with this idea of, um, of a uh, – so I'm like a huge like demo nerd. Like mm. the best call of my day is a vendor demo. You know what I mean? Like I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a glutton for pain. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're you're like an advertiser's dream. He loves ads yeah, yeah. on Facebook. He loves demos. Yeah. That's like a funnel. Every cold email. Do you know what I mean? Because I want to know what I don't know. What do you what do you what do you how do you respond to in a cold cold email? What do you say? Like if you're genuinely not interested. 
Dude, sometimes they don't even reply because they're like, this can't be real. Um, so what are what are the good good how how do you write a good cold email uh it's a good so uh first suggestion that i've learned uh is don't write a cold email and i know that might sound counterintuitive so first i write cold email then i write cold email so what i mean by that is i think a lot in my day right about uh about um, noise to signal communication, mm. right? It's just, I think about it constantly at Compass. Mm. I think about it at Propulsion Lab, right? I'm thinking about that stuff all of the time, right? Mm. I'll give you some examples, right? And then you'll see where I'm going to in terms of cold email stuff. So one thing we realized at Compass a while back, right, um, was we'd have these huge operational updates and we have like a huge, um, you know, operational team, right. That's spread out decentralized across all the U S right. Okay. Um, and this is when I was working mainly in agent experience. Now I work with all of national ops, but this one was mainly focused on the agent experience team. Right. And so, uh, <laughs> we would send these emails with all of these long laundry list of updates. Right. But we'd have no clue if people were reading them. <laughs> um, mm. If people were open, you know, you could put an open tracker, but we weren't doing that. Right. But even if you open it, you don't know if they actually read it or just like click through it. Right. And we don't know if they had questions on it. And if they did, they would just reply and they would be the only person that, you know, you'd reply directly back to them. Um, and you don't know if they complied against it. Right. If they're like complying against that new update or change. Those are all like major problems. Right. Right. So what I wanted to do is I was like, okay, well, we have workplace by Facebook. It's an intranet. I can make a post. And like, I guess people could like it. And maybe I could do something in Slack, you know, and you know, I know there's like noise signal stuff you could post in Slack and whatever, but I wanted to do something that literally was two things. It was one in their workflow, meaning that they didn't have to go somewhere new to see this thing. They didn't have to open an email. They didn't have to, do you know what I mean? It's in their workflow. And that is more reads is like more important, more significant than just like an email. Right. Um, and so I found this company that was like really, really new at the time. We were one of their very first clients um, called, they were called same tab. Uh, okay. uh, Pulse.so is what they've rebranded us. And phenomenal company, long story short, they built you like a lightweight intranet for just like posts, right? Like that you mm. can subscribe to in the new Chrome uh, browser window. So when you oh, press new window, it's that. So everyone creates new windows all day long. So now the posts can live there and people can mark them as red, right? And comment on them. And this is only internally? Only internally. Got it. Yeah. So we can see who has marked them as red. It automatically sends out notifications. If you don't read it, we can see like what regions are complying the most against it and everything. It was huge for us, right? So I'm always thinking about, okay, how do I move noise, you know, noise to signal when it's important stuff? So when I think about cold email, right? The thing is when you're looking at your screen and you're in your email inbox, okay? Everything is text, maybe some emojis, right? But for the most part, it's all text, just walls of text, right? But the second I get like a GIF in an email, right? Especially one that's like, it's a personalized video for me. I'm clicking on that thing, right? I want to see what that's about, right? 
And this is to me like where I got into. So the first way I found out about the world of like videos in email. Uh, so I found out about Bomb Bomb, right? One of your guys' competitors, right? I just thought it was so ridiculous that like you can only use it for a certain amount of time, then it cuts you off. Plus their Chrome extension like like crashed on me like a whole bunch, right? Which I was like, this is a huge company. How is this? Thing good? Maybe, maybe it was my browser saying, maybe, you know, like, you know, I don't know. Just to me, it, it didn't it didn't work as natively, as intuitively as I wanted it to be. And after a certain amount of time, I couldn't use it anymore for free. Like, and I'm glad to pay for a product, right? If I really need like higher level features. So I literally just Googled, right? Which is phrase I was Google, right? Like, uh, you know, get, you know, bomb, bomb alternative free, right? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and I gave around a few and some were really, you know, much, much newer products, a little bit less mature. And then everywhere else, dub. And honestly, I have been such a nerd for you guys. I recommend you guys all over the place. Um, I love that in my LinkedIn messenger directly, I could use, you know, I could put a dub video in there. Uh, it makes it so easy. So yeah, my response rates when I send a dub video are much higher than when I just send a wall of text to somebody. And for me, by the way, as someone who communicates better like this than I do over the written word, mm. it's actually not even, it takes me less time. It's easier and it gets a higher, uh, you know, ROI. Mm, yeah. So here's here's a question for you, follow-up question. Mm -hmm. Is and someone said this to me and it was like the probably the definition of a complisult because they said <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. They, they said, you know, when this becomes really big and people are using this for all their email and all their messaging and LinkedIn, and then it becomes a gimmick and then it doesn't work anymore, what are you gonna yeah. do? <laughs> Yeah, and, and I was like, I don't know how to answer that. And I was like, okay, well, let me think about that. Let me put my ego aside. I don't want to be defensive. I want to really think about like what this person is saying. Like, is video communication a gimmick? Is a live video like this, or a Zoom call, or a video email, or a video in a LinkedIn is like, yeah. a gimmick? or eventually, is it just going to become the new method? And what is so what is your take on that? I don't think it's. I think gimmick is implying a like. Um, like a negative context that it doesn't need or require, mm, right? Like right. gimmick feels like fake, fraudulent, a trick, right? Mm, it's right. not, right? right? Now, yes, as things become, you know, so first email was, of course, like really, really huge, right? But, you know, you know, and LinkedIn inbox, but now that things like Phantom Buster are a thing, like LinkedIn ads are slowly starting to become like, bullshit right <laughs> like, right you know and i love phantom buster but i hate getting phantom busted by people what right? is phantom um, buster um so it's a way with linkedin to automatically add connect with people oh and, like, okay messages and like do all these automations with linkedin like you know it's a way to like send you know you can like do a whole ton with it but like long story short if you have like a sit so here's like a typical workflow that you can use uh, here's like a typical stack with like uh, Phantom Buster, something like uh, data enrichment, like Clear Bit or People Data Labs, um, and then um, yeah, so Sales Navigator, Phantom Buster, Data Enrichment, um, and I think maybe like Zapier. But you can basically use all those tools to do something like this, and like oh, and like uh, Facebook ads, right? You can say Sales Navigator, find me a list of people who I would target, right? Then um, Phantom Buster, reference that list, add 
a hundred of those people a day with this type of message for this type of audience, right? So ops people, this, 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 right? Um, add those people, right? If they uh, accept, send them a second message, right? And add, add them to my, pay for the data enrichment on them, get their personal email, right? Then uh, um, add them to my custom targeted list on Facebook, right? So all of a sudden, someone on their end, the narrative will look like, wow, Phil reached out, added me on, added me on LinkedIn. And now I'm seeing propulsion lab, Facebook ads. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and some guys, some guys just sitting in a, he's some guys just sitting in a jacuzzi with a beer and just like getting rich. Yeah. Oh yeah. Someone's making so much money off every step of that thing. Right. So long story short, right. Like, um, uh, so people like that is like definitely happening, right? But look, all that to say, there are different modes of the uh, thing. So SMS, right? Like SMS was huge for, and still is because like SMS got 97% read rate in the first three minutes, mm. right? It's insane, right? Yeah. So um, certain communicate, so, you know, uh, browser notifications are a big thing, of course, now, right? Like, you know, on, you know, on desktop browser notifications, people are always trying to find a way to be where everything's not. And email's just so buried. Do you know what I mean? Right. So right. just because there's a new, let's just call it like, just because there's a new frontier, it doesn't mean that it's a gimmick. Does that make sense? Yeah. It just means that, um, might it become the normal? Yeah, sure. But to a degree, I don't think that, it will completely mm. um, because I just think people are default to lazy. Do you know what yeah. I mean? With this stuff, with sales outreach and the people who are amazing at it, by the way, if it's not video in 10 years from now, the people who are amazing at this shit will figure out what the next thing is and do that also. Right. Right. But um. video is powerful. Now here's here's a question for you. Okay, so this 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 idea of laziness has come up a couple of times, and I I agree with you. At the end of the day, I think you're spot on, but I think that. Oh, by the way, I only call it laziness because I've been super lazy myself in sales earlier in my career. Okay. So I talk about it from experience. <laughs> right, and 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 I've been there as well. I totally agree with you, but. At some point, don't we learn from our, our laziness and say, my laziness is actually not getting me what I what I want. It's not it's not it's not it's not bringing me anything. And actually, right. I'm having to work a lot harder being lazy. Like if I'm on, if I'm lazy on the right. sofa and I'm watching TV, I'm getting entertainment. Right. I'm getting something. But with lazy sales outreach, I, I feel like the results are not there. That's the problem. No, you know? they're not. And, you know, and by the way, laziness is also really fucking expensive. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just so expensive to be lazy because what that means is let's, here's the lazy thing. Let's pour more, let's blow the crap out of our CAC, right? And just like do more Facebook ads. You know, in the, in the digital age that we're in right now, getting an, a lead is the most expensive it has ever been. Like, look at the click on a, yeah. on a LinkedIn ad. It's disgusting. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. right. Even Facebook, right? Twitter. Like, they will they will just swallow your money whole, right? Unless you're, like, really effective at, like, doing it uh, well. And that takes a lot of time and effort. And shit, then you just got to go hire an agency, which is, like, even more money, right? So 
the thing is, is what I always think about is, um, here's what I mean by not being lazy for when it comes to sales. Right. And like, we have all these forms of currency that like we right. don't spend, right? right? So for me, here are my forms of currency, right? Like I have a huge brand that I work at at Compass, right? So people want to know more about kind of what I do there. I know it's kind of about no-code stuff. People want help with that stuff all the time. Um, I get a lot of joy talking to, you know, early stage entrepreneurs where a lot of people might just get frustrated or annoyed. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like I, I love hearing like what they're working on and how I can help, you know? Um, these are all forms of currency that I have being able, like, I love being on video with people. I love audio types of communication, right? Um, like these are forms of currency that I have that I'm always willing to spend. Right. And so, uh, and so when it comes to outreach, right, I'm not just like spending a crap ton on like Facebook ads or, you know, buying a list of emails, like emailing everyone and hope they come to me. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm constantly having conversations with people um, and just stuff comes out of that. And, and, and that's the future. And that to me is the future of B2B. I think right. we just what you just said summed it up. It's it's the conversations. It's right. conversational marketing, yeah. you know? Right, conversational marketing, right? Like one of my favorite new uh, conversion pages, like, uh, like uh, landing pages, is a brand, brand new company. It's out of India. I think it's awesome. Um, it's called reach.at, right? Okay. All this thing does is, so we've now, talking of signal to noise, right? We're all used to seeing, remember like the first like three, four days, like intercom came out, mm. you know what I mean? <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about, right? Like we, was, we like, used it and I've been trying to get off it. I love intercom, but I feel like I'm dependent on it. <laughs> oh yeah. But like, do you know what I'm talking about? There was like three, four days in the internet, in the history of the internet, right? Where all of a sudden, everybody had intercom. It was like when I was a waiter, it's like there was like three, four days I distinctly remember where everybody was asking for Tito's. Like I'd never heard of this thing before. <laughs> right. So intercom was like the Tito's effect for me. I was like, all of a sudden, every site had that little chat icon. And it right. was kind of cool. But now it's kind of like you're, you know, over it, right? Like you, you, you almost ignore it, right? For the most part. So reach.at solved this, right? By saying, uh, here's your landing page. It's literally just a picture of me or my brand or whatever on like a quarter of the screen and three quarters of the screen is just a chat UI. To ah, so it's, it's just, it's just a big column. Just a big column. And it goes, mm. hi, uh, click what, what you want to learn more about. <laughs> you click it. it. Great. Here's more about this. Uh, what's your first name? No, great. It's literally collecting your data, right? Um, and having a conversation with you. Nice. Yeah, the bot world, the bot world is, is blown up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And bots to human handoff is huge, too, I think. But so all that to say, like, I think that, yes, they're totally dead on. Conversational is the future of, like, B2B sales, for sure, right? Um, and, look, I say that, so just, pour, like I said earlier, pouring money into the top of the funnel is so expensive. All of the people that you've already begun conversations mm, with, right. touch points. Oh, my, there's so much money just like waiting to be had, and so much value ready to be gained. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's unbelievable. Like, here's my biggest pet peeve: is an account executive that only calls you when the contract's about to be up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Terrible. 
that's 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 the that's the antithesis of what they should be doing. That's a relationship role, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. What's going on? You know, any product ideas you've been having? Can I connect with any other clients that we have? Like, where's the conversation, right? Because by the way, growth equals retention, right? Part mm. of the sale is not only getting the sale, it's right? Ship exactly. It's, how do I get this person to renew a year before they need to renew? Right. Six months, you know what I mean? So laziness is a problem. I think another problem is lack of fun. If something is not fun, it doesn't get done, right? I know. And making it fun for you as like the person that's doing outreach is so important. Like you're if you enjoy the written word, you know what I mean? Like find how to lean into that. You know what I mean? Right, right. And uh, here's how I here's how I kind of solve that problem for myself. That that Please. fun problem because if it's not fun for me, it's difficult to actually do it. What it's made smart. it fun for me? Yeah, it is. What made it fun for me though is is the conversations. It's like legitimately learning about people and like legitimate curiosity, you know, and what people are up to and what they're doing in their lives. What makes them tick? I never. I, I was like at level three in terms of curiosity, you know, in my career, you know, years ago. And I started to notice that the more curiosity I turned up, the more interesting I would become, interested I would become, and maybe as a result, interesting. But, but most people stop at that, hey, where did you go to school? How's the weather? Right? right now, I don't know what people are talking about. I don't know if people even ask, where do you live? Because what does it even matter, like, where I live? I mean, <laughs> we, just all live like a name. we all live in the digital, you know. <laughs> I live in the interwebs, right? But, you know, whatever, whatever that sort of light talk is, is I think where people get stuck. And my best conversations, my best sales, my best friends, my best relationships, everything is where I didn't talk about the product and I didn't talk about the sale and I didn't talk about this. I just legitimately had a conversation like this. And, uh, and that's what I'm going to keep doing because guess what? It's more fun. <laughs> it's more fun for me. And now it's more effective. Like for me, it's more fun, right? Like I have awesome conversations with people about SaaS all day long. I'm like talking to founders all day long about like what they're doing, you know, like when I'm like, you know, interviewing people who are like, we're bringing in for compass to do stuff. And I'm, you know, nights and weekends when I'm like talking about propulsion lab stuff, right? Like I'm just genuinely so curious. And that's part of what like drives me to like, look at, you know, product hunt all the time is it drives me to like, want to meet every like B2B SaaS founder and like talk to them and about what they're doing and like what gets them excited. Um, and yeah, like just getting to know people, right? Because at the end of the day, you're doing business with people, right? Like, product breaks, you got to talk to somebody. You need support, you got to talk to somebody, right? Like, you need, you need help, you got to talk to somebody. Uh, you know, so, you know, the product was built by somebody, right? Like, you're doing relationship with people, whether it's the amplification of those people through the extension of the product or whatever. Like, you're doing, you're doing business with people. And sometimes relationships are so impactful. Like, I'll give you an example. We have at Compass such a good relationship with N Border, which is our so we use N Border to onboard all of our agents across the country. Mm. It's our single platform for onboarding, mainly driven through SMS or email, agents preference, right? Um, we say it's like a drip campaign. It's like a way to onboard new employees, but we use it for our agents to onboard new agents, right? It's been a, it's been huge for us in like the virtual onboarding world uh, with COVID, right? Um, 
If you literally came to come, by the way, it's not just me. If you came to my leadership team at Compass, right, and told us there was a little bit better of a product for a little bit less money, we probably wouldn't even go over. Mm. We wouldn't even switch. Right. Because our relationship with Mborder has been so phenomenal. They've built they've built features for us. They've included us in major discussions. They've had us speak on panels. Like, you know, we've been covered in the news with them. Like, we have such an infinite like we talk to our technical CSM every single week. We have a standing one hour meeting. Like talk to me about another technical CSM you have a standing one hour meeting with. Do you know what I mean? Right. And that's where they listen and say, we want to build this and we want to provide the support. Yeah. Yeah. Their CEO literally, you know, I talk to him maybe once every half year about just like what's going on and where I, you know what I mean? When they're raising new rounds, they have their investors literally call us, right? Like it's like we have such a good relationship with them and they've literally, you know, if I were to say like one of the major reasons I got promoted, this was probably because of like the work that I had done with that company. Like I was literally talking to like one of our, uh, you know, one of our uh, regional presidents, uh, or sorry, one of our uh, uh, just um, like bi-coastal presidents today, you know, and he's just like, yeah, like the biggest fan of M Border. Like everybody knows it, you know, on our ops team, you know. Well, I think that's that's so interesting because. I know Compass pretty well. You know, being in Los Angeles, I've seen the sign around a lot. I've seen, I have a wife that's in real estate, so she works for Keller Williams. And Compass has done something that very few companies have been able to do at the growth rate that they've done it. It's pretty remarkable. And it's so rooted in, from my perspective, it's so rooted in brand, in customer experience, in, you know, technology, changing the way that something that is such an old industry is done. And it's phenomenal. Right. And I always think, how do you on? I've always actually thought that. So it's really interesting that you brought this up. Is how do you bestow all that information upon someone? Because I think one of the biggest problems with people with experience is that they come with quote unquote bad habits, right? And I say bad habits with air quotes because sometimes they're not always bad habits. Sometimes they're good habits. But if a company has invented a new model, you know, yeah, they want people to adopt it. Like, like video, like real estate agents using video for sales outreach and for cold, warm, and just kind of communication. Some people love it. Some people don't even know what it is. You know, I've never heard of someone hating it. It's just either you love it or oh, you, no, kinda, you haven't adopted it. You know, internal tooling at Compass around like you know we send we have like a video message just thing. Like we have this whole suite of tools called like you know virtual agent services, right? Where we're helping agents with all of this and everything from like virtual tours and I mean like uh, you know, like video email. Like we're doing a lot of this stuff within our product, right? And like we, it's. Um, like, look, at the end of the day, right? Like, so me and my wife are literally going through the process of buying a house right now, mm, right? Nice. Like starting to like look at homes and all that stuff. Um, and I could like, and of course using a compass agent, right? Uh, and I gotta tell you, I would never do this process without a human. Yeah, <laughs> like I, right, right. <laughs> You right. know what I mean? The industry is not going to get fully disrupted where it's like, oh, I'm going to buy a home today on the internet. Let me pull out my credit card. There's no shot for a certain class of homes. Sure. Right. For like a certain, like for investors buying homes, you know, as investments for like maybe, you know, homes like a certain range. Uh, sure. If, you know, situationally sure. But like, I got to tell you, this is like our first time buying a home. Like, We've maybe looked at like 20 homes. Do you know what I mean? Like in person. Right. And like 
having our trusted advisor as a human there with us who we really trust to like bring us up, you know, bring us up to speed on things. And like that conversation, that relationship we have with him. So here's the thing. I give you an example, right? If, you know, a home costs a little bit more, right? But I knew that I could work with my real estate agent that we have at Compass, right? By the way, David Basco, if you're ever looking in Atlanta, it's a beast. Shout out to David Basco. Shout out to David Basco. Um, So like I wouldn't even go with him because the relationship we have with David is so huge, right? Like he knows us. So like we have like this personal setup with David that's so funny. (laughs) Like you can't make this up. So I... So I have a huge anxiety around moving. I hate it. You know what I mean? I like have this, um, like I have to know where I'm going to live. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, like moving for me is like very, very, like when I moved from, when I was living in New York, when I moved from Manhattan to Queens. I was literally in like a huge slump, like for a while. Like I literally couldn't find my groove. <laughs> so when I moved to Atlanta, it was like, it took a lot out of me for a little while. Right. So uh, the thought of moving, the idea of moving, I just like need to know stability wise where I'm going to live. It's like, this, like, I don't know. Just, I have a hard time with like that physical type of change. Right. Right. So when I was seeing houses, even if they were like 70%, yes, I'd be like, this is the house. Let's put in. Let's put in. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, mean? I got my, I brought my toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. I'm moving in. Yeah. Like, right. Where's the cat? Let's go. Right. <laughs> <Can> we sleep over. <laughs> right. And so did you, so let me ask you this. If you ever overly gung-ho about moving there, did he ever say, you know what, not not so much. It's too close to that freeway or, you know, the pool's a little of this. Or did you, did he ever do that? Oh, he would do that. He'd be and like. that's a sign of a good agent, in my opinion. Right. That tells you not to buy the house. No, he'd be like, Phil, eh, you know, let's keep looking, right? So now what we do, and I literally can't even make this up. So I've found that weakness in me. Right. And I've acknowledged it. So now what we do is if we're, if we're looking at like houses for the first time, my wife goes to see the apartment first with David. Mm. I don't even go. Nice. And only if it's really an option on the second visit, do I go. There you go. You're, you're, you're a second touch point. (laughs) Correct. But like you you don't get that with a not human. Do you know what I mean? Right. And so I, I don't know, like I, like that's where like our CEO is just such a genius, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, like he is like everything you think he would be like Robert, like, and like he is just incredible. And he made a huge bet, right? Robert made a huge bet that the relationship is going to be the most important thing. And that human is right. assisted by technology is where the future is going when it comes to the biggest purchase in people's lives. Right. Right. And the humans will not be fully ever automated out of the process. And it's only proving more and more right every single year that Compass is around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that, so, makes, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. So and it's, it comes right back to this, right? I, as someone who had never bought a house before, and it's the same thing with like B2B SaaS, right? Let's, let's compare the two, right? It's a major purchase. It's typically time bound. You typically have a lot of vested stakeholders like your family, right? And if you make a decision, it's at minimum like a year, five, 10, 50 year decision. They're 30 years, right? Like it's a big decision. You're getting married on a third date, whether it's like a B2B RFP or whether it's like a house, right? Right. 
And having a person involved in that transaction, I just think is huge, right? And when real estate, you know, like, so yeah, I just, uh, I think when it comes to the personal touch of things, I think we talked about this earlier, like best post-purchase experience I ever had was mm. when I bought a sticker to support like COVID-19 response efforts. All right, let's 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 hear this. Yeah. I want to hear this one. Yeah. All so right. I bought a sticker on product. I bought two stickers actually on product. Okay. Um, bought two stickers on product hunt. Uh, I get them in the mail. I'm like, I love these things, right? Uh, in fact, hold on. Let's see. I might actually... I think I might actually have it right here. Yeah, yeah, check this out. So cool. I love them so much. I refuse to stick them on stuff yet because I'm like, it's got to be special. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's <laughs> it's the okay. lo-fi cat. Nice. So lo-fi cat and the P, right? Okay. So love product hunt, right? So I get the stickers, okay? And then I get an email saying, uh, you have a, a video message from product hunt, right? I'm like, what? So I open up the video message. And it's a personalized message from his cell phone from Ryan Hoover to me, Phil, thanking me for specifically buying these two stickers, right? And then telling me the history behind how they came up with that cat logo, right? Just being like, yeah, it's 9 a.m. on you know, LA on like a weekday or just like call and say, hey, Phil, thank you so much. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why did my time this day to like, what? Right. You know? Like those are the things you remember. Yeah. When when I was debating job offers and Robert Refkin called me on my cell phone just out of the blue, you know, like I was going with Compass. You know what I mean? Right. Like those right. are the things that we remember. So when you so to, you know to bring back to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier, when you're in somebody's inbox is the one video they received a personalized video ever first time, ever in the first like you know maybe even six four or five months, right? It's not that it's a gimmick. It's that you're you're showing someone in a brand activation who you are and how you think, right? You're saying you're so important to me. It's not good enough to just send you a blanketed thing. You're not cheap to me, right? You are valuable to me. I'm going to spend some time looking and reading about you and learning about you, right? And making a personalized video of like why I think we should why. I should have the honor and opportunity to be able to start a conversation with you. That's powerful. That's it, man. That's it. Mic drop, you know, mic drop. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think about this a lot and I think that the, the unlock here, the unlock is, is curiosity and vulnerability. And yeah. It is something that I see in kids more so than oh, yeah. I see in adults, which is probably an obvious. How, what do you mean? Like, how do you, how do you like, yeah. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So I think that when kids see a, a puddle of water, yeah, they want to, they want to jump into it. They want to splash it. They want to see what happens and they could get completely dosed in water and fully enjoy that experience, even though they're completely dosed and they have to now take a shower and change their clothes. Because we are trained to, to, to be rooted in fear and repercussion. If we do X, then yeah. Y happens, right? Lizard brain, yeah. Right, yeah. And it's a survival thing, which is you know good to a certain extent. But what happens, I think, to us in business and just in our adult lives is that we become scared to take risks. 
And we become scared to see what happens if we do something where we put ourselves out there, where we make ourselves vulnerable, yeah, where we thank someone, personal. you know? Yeah. yeah, where we make that personalization. Because when you do that, you're putting yourself out here and you're taking a little micro risk. You're investing, right? Yeah. And if right. you invest in something and you feel like it doesn't yield back, you feel either judged or a, or a failure. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I think that the solution is not... Laziness is just safe. Maybe right. it's the wording there, right? Is that like... It's like just playing it safe. Yes, you know? yes. It's playing it safe. And I think the solution for this is to not be worried about the results and to just yeah. love the process. And if we love that process, you yeah. know what? We're impervious. All We're good. like bulletproof. You know, We're bulletproof. One of the, yeah, seriously. <laughs> one of the best realizations I ever had, and like ever in life, period, hands down, you know, you have those moments where you just realize a thought for the first time and it hits you and you're like, whoa, it's like, a, it's like a shifting moment, right? One of the biggest shifting moments for me is when I realized the sentence, I am not going to be for everybody and everybody is not going to be for me. Mm. Even at my best self, I am truly not going to be for everybody everybody's not going to be for me, you know? And I take that in business. I take that in sales. I take that in, you know, friendships. I take that everywhere with me to this day, because like there's some people at, you know, at my job at, you know, in, in like, you know, in marketing stuff and like doing proportional stuff. Like there's some people like, or companies or like whatever, like, where we are just not going to be a match. And like, sometimes I have to do business with those people. I just keep it, you know what I mean? Keep it simple. Right. But like, I'm not going to be everybody. Like, <laughs> I am not everybody's cup of tea. I'm a lot of energy. I have a lot of fun. I'm not like, you know, super analytical spreadsheet dude. You know what I mean? Like I don't right. talk in data. You know, I still rely on my intuition to a certain degree. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I love data, but I'm not like owned by it. You know, like I, I curse. You know what I mean? Like these are... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just at the end of the day, like this is who I am and I'm just not, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Right. right. And that's okay. And it's like the same thing. Look, my first job in sales <laughs> and talk about being a glutton for pain. My first job in sales was I sold comedy club tickets in Times Square. Ah, I know that position well. And I've not only have I bought tickets for them, but I've had lengthy conversations with some of those people. Yeah. That's awesome. And you want to, and no matter what you want to say about these dudes, right? Because look, you know, various levels of quality for sure. Like yeah. any sales job, it's just a lot right. more public, right? right? But let me tell you, first of all, I have friends all over the world from doing that job. It's like incredible, right? And it supported me as my, you know, I was an actor in New York for like the first like, you know, couple of years of my career. It's all, it's all I did, right? Um, and did you do stand-up? Right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, I used to do stand up for a bit. Yeah. I had like a, like a few months, like maybe like I don't know, like a few months, like maybe like a year where I did stand up and uh, talk about being vulnerable. Like, yes, a video that doesn't get rejected, <laughs> doesn't get rejected by a sales lead. Try like writing a joke that doesn't get a laugh. Right, <laughs> and and that and that's actually I want to get into that for a second because that's actually one of my biggest suggestions to people, which is not going to happen now, but. Everyone should do stand up, even if you're not a comedian, oh, just yeah. to get up there to realize what it actually feels like. It is so difficult. <laughs> um, and so, uh, like, I have so much respect. Every laugh that a comedian gets, I'm just like, 
ass off. It and, it's, and it's like three minutes when you're when you're a newbie because I did it once at Laugh Factory. And it was like two minutes that felt it's like a two month, hours. A month to write three good minutes. Yeah. When you're starting, right? Even still, right? It's unreal. So yeah, so I would like so you know like doing like that sales stuff in Times Square, right? It taught me so much about sales. I learned every like so much about sales from that one job, right? I learned uh, it's my job to most efficiently and as politely find the people that want this thing, right? And so if I have to ask 3,000 people in a day if they want to go to a stand-up comedy show or if they're interested, you know, in seeing our, you know, showcase, right? Um, I'm just going to look for my buying signals and then do only a second or third push of like, you know, another thing for like the, the signals that I get, right? And so, you know, like I just learned to like eat rejection. Like it doesn't feel like rejection to me, right? It just feels like, okay, we're not a fit. It's cool. And, Next. And at, at what point did you realize in that job that it was you that people were buying? It was not the flyer. It was not the people that maybe oh, never heard of. So maybe about like, mm, maybe like a half a year in, you know? And that was so just like, an unlock for you, right? You're like, it's dude, just me. Like, I got to just be a friend. Huge. Huge. <laughs> I realized there was things that I had to do to get someone to stop. Dude, talk about a whole sales cycle. Okay, imagine someone gives you paper, okay, pieces of paper, right? At the time, by the way, there's no laws about stuff. There's no IDs, right, or anything, right? But here's some paper. Here's like maybe and when you say IDs, you mean – what do you mean by that? Do you just, now in Times Square, you have to get like a, a license oh, you have to, to get a sell tickets, which I have like somewhere. I have one because like I did it for a while towards the end of my – you know, um, at one point. Like because winters were just always a great time to do it. So you know, sometimes even I was working on like go out and sell tickets because it's just a lucrative business. Um, but uh, I would um, – how do you say? Uh, so, okay. So when it started, there was no license to ship, right? So you'd have like a little fake name badge with like, that was laminated. Paper tickets, like, you know, tickets, right? We didn't take credit card back in the day when I started doing this thing, right? So literally go to Times Square, talk to Taurus. You have five minutes to get them to give you cash. <laughs> right, right. For something they never heard of. <laughs> you know what I mean? So talk about like getting a lead, warming them up, Close uh, objection handling, closing all in about five minutes with someone you've never met before. And you know what's cool. really interesting, which I I just realized this is that you need to know where you're going to live. You need to know where your spot is, where your house is. That makes sense to me. Yeah. People, tourists, they need to know where they're going at nine p.m. at night. Oh and, yeah, he and would... traveling and not knowing what you're going to do is that brings people anxiety. So locking in on something and like buying that like security, whether you're going to go or not, it's, it's a satisfaction element, you know? Oh, huge. And not only that, right. It was look, you know, New York's known for three things, right? Like sports, theater, comedy, comedy is one of our biggest things. We have shows every night at nine and 11, right? You can go any night you want. This is a flexible ticket. As long as you call before 7 PM, you're getting a reservation. Look, you're going to go out and drink one night. Why not do it and see some, you know, awesome comedians, right? Like I knew all, you know what I mean? Like I knew all the things that they were feeling and knew how to talk to them, right? Because when you're in a new city and like, if you're walking around Times Square, you're right telling me like 10 different things, right? Mm. You don't like, it's either your first day or your last day, right? Like, <laughs> <you're>... <laughs> 
and if you're if you're the guy doing this with the flyers, it's probably your last day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, you know, you know, it, it just like it's your first day of visit, you know, so like I just you know, and look, I loved it. Like I said, I still have friends to this day around the world that I met doing that job, and um, and I just learned so much, like how much it was about me, and how much it was about the conversation, and how much it was about you know, like how much validation stuff you had to do. And, you know, I like, you know, I knew like, like even when the badges were like, whatever, I was like, eh, this isn't good enough. I literally went on Canva and designed my own badge that was like better. Right. You know, like, uh, I went eventually out and got like square on my phone so I could start taking credit cards. Right. Like, um, you know, I did, I, you know, I did all that stuff and, um, I take a lot of that stuff with me today, not only for what I'm doing, like B2B sales stuff, you know, where I'm like talking to all these like new B2B uh, SaaS startups for Propulsion Lab, right? But also like when I'm in Compass, like I've got a lot of internal ideas that I have to sell all the time across the board, both, you know, to people in national department, laterally I have to sell things, upwardly I have to sell things. I have to take ideas, you know, I have to like work with people and like helping them sell their ideas. Um, I work a lot like with independent contributors who want to go into new departments. Like, I, you know, I work with them on like how to sell like their work to other people, like, you know, it's like sales at the root of everything. And it's sales is, yeah, it, it really is. And it doesn't have to be a dirty word, right? It's just the most like sales to me is just, I'm aligning our interests in a way that you might not yet know that is the best for you yet. Mm -hmm. And it may not be. So I either want to figure out if our interests are worth aligning or not as soon as possible and add value at every step of the way as I do it. Nice. That's yeah. Awesome. I I tend to agree with that. I think that in sales, sometimes we know that we need to buy something and we know what our pain point is that, we trying to, that we're trying to solve. And other times we're not. You know, we're like, I, I didn't even know you could do that. Like when you were talking about some of the LinkedIn automation, some people are like, Ick, uh, no, no bots. That's gross. I'll get kicked in, kicked off LinkedIn. Other people might listen to that and say, wow, I'd love to automate my whole LinkedIn process. And if I get kicked off LinkedIn, well, I guess that's one of the By risks. Way, you can like do it below <laughs> limits where you're not going to get kicked off. Okay. Right? And also, here's the thing. And this is the biggest pet peeve I have, right? Like. If you're going to use something like Phantom Buster, right? Like, because everyone's doing it, right? Like, it's like, you know, just be honest, right? Like, here's the thing. If you're going to do stuff like that, at least put a little effort into, like, nailing the audiences that you're talking to. Right. right? Like, <laughs> align those interests, right? Like, don't talk to me about, like, wealth management. Do you know what I mean? Like, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? Right? Like, I'm clearly, like, I'm, like, 33. I'm, like, you know, mid-stage of my career, like, there ain't much wealth to manage. Right? <laughs> what are you doing? Right. But someone who's reaching out to me to be like, Hey, uh, I work with a lot of early stage companies or like, I work with this accelerator. would love to talk to you. Or, you know, I'm a VC that works in B2B and like, we just love to bend your ear and some stuff like those types of outreach, even if they're cold or even if I like, you know, like, there was recently, like I got like an automated kind of, I could tell it was like kind of automated, like from a local videographer here, like in Atlanta. Right. And I, I replied to it because I'm like, Oh Yeah. I guess I could talk to a local videographer about like some like local media stuff that I want to do, you know, yeah. it was relevant for me. They made it relevant for me. So it's not the automation is the bad thing. It's a tool and a tool can be used for good or for bad. Right. right. So if people are just being lazy and just like throwing money at the thing and like getting kicked off LinkedIn, things, everyone's reporting that they're junk, right? Like good. Yeah. Like 
Right. You know what I mean? Right. Go but build like, another fake account and try something else. <laughs> go build another fake account. Like, you know what I mean? But if you're using automation to extend your message that people are, that is truly resonating with people and adding value to people's lives, whatever. Right. Right. So let's, all right. So there's some, there's some uh, really, really interesting nuggets here. So, you know, we talked about this idea of, you know, laziness and we're all lazy to a certain extent and being lazy is good oh, yeah. because automation's good. Uh, you know, that's the whole minimizing input, maximizing output. That's what technology is all about. But it's about aligning interests, about providing value, being educational, you know, being about the long-term relationship and not for that hard close, you know, selling ourselves, you know, everything is sales, everything is networking, whether we need to find a new job or sell our product or sell something internally, a technology to the CEO, you know? Right. Um, these and are like, why not have fun while doing it, right? Yeah, like, and then, right, and then fun. <laughs> How can I forget about fun? <laughs> yeah, that was you, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking that away from this conversation. Actually, you know, I that that uh, little that little saying. Actually, I have to I actually have to give a shout out to Marvin from Stuart Title because he actually said that, and I, it's I stuck onto that. Mm. Um, if it's not fun, it doesn't get done. So I've been saying that. So Marvin, if you're listening to this, I love that man. <laughs> so good and. Look, if it needs to get done and it's not fun, do the fun stuff and get some juice, right? To like do the other stuff. Right. Like, I found a way I'd still don't, you know how I did it? Honestly, I had like the best manager of like all time at one point in my career in Compass who, um, who took all my stuff. And I like didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, like at Compass. You know, I was like, right. I was manager for the national team. I was like, I didn't want to go into product management, but I didn't want to go into vendor relationships like completely. She's like, oh, you're a solutions architect. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> and so I researched it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> so that's amazing. I to, like, make that my career. Like, solutions architecture to me, like, it's so funny when people are like, I hate demo calls. I hate talking to vendors. Uh. Right? I don't, it genuinely doesn't make sense. Like, it's the most fun part. Like, I love that. I live for it. Right? Yeah. So, like me doing what's fun for me, what I'm passionate about at Compass is great for both parties, right? Because right. I'm doing stuff that like, nope, a lot of people like really don't want to do. But guess what? When it, when it comes time to like, you know, get really knee deep in a spreadsheet or like write an executive summary, you know what I mean? Like I have people that I work with who help me on that front because I'm just like not good at like long form writing content yet. I've gotten a little bit better at it, but it takes so much energy for me. Do you know what I mean? Mm, right. Right. Hey, that's that's what videos for. That's what videos for. <laughs> yeah. And you just know, major shout out to you guys. Seriously. Incredible Thank you. Product, incredible timing. Like, um, I'm just like, I'm such a huge fan of like how your Chrome extension makes like the little D button live everywhere. And like, mm. it just easily allows me to like track things and like put messaging. Like, I love how you had the dub with like the calendar booking on it, like all on one page, like right from the email, like, it's just really clean and like really well done. And I'm just, I'm rooting for you guys. Like I'm like looking forward to like the more stuff you do uh, feature wise, like all of that jazz. And uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop talking about you to startups because anytime a startup goes to be like, how do I talk to new B2B clients? Or like, how do I get more clients? Like, well, how are you talking to them? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why are you using Dub? <laughs> Thank that means that means a lot to us, man. I mean, we we I'd love to align with you. You know, we have so many people from Compass that use Dub, and it's funny because oh, every time they 
It's every cool. time they come in, we're like, oh, that's a rogue entrepreneur. They because that's not corporate. That Compass doesn't have a corporate corporate thing with us, where all their agents are getting access, you know, for a discounted rate or something. They don't have that. These people are like, I've heard about this. Not I want to use video. <laughs> <laughs> so every time I see someone from Compass, I mean, really, any 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 real estate agent from a larger corp, I'm like, entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Like they are taking risks. They are going and trying new tech. <laughs> like the OG entrepreneurs. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. their own business and like what they do is like it's unbelievable like yeah. the like i you know it's so funny i have just gained so much respect for real estate agents mm. like yeah. through doing this work yeah they like they're working these people are working like seven days a week mm. they have no like they have no guarantee of income do you mm. know what i mean yeah like it's and and you know the relationships that foster and be really good at are just so innumerable. And like the ones who are phenomenal at it are just like, you would trust them with any part of your business. Mm. Like really the ones who can do it all, you know, like if I said, David is willing, David Basco is willing to work for dub in any part of your business. Uh, guarantee that cool. He'll figure it out. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's that, it's an attitude. It's an attitude. And I've like such a huge amount of respect. So yeah, like um, this was such a, this was so awesome. Like I feel like I can talk to you about sales and B2B all day. Hey, you know what? This is the value of um, a digital relationship, you know, video of like creating parasocial relationships. Like when I saw you live, I, I developed a parasocial relationship and that's what people need to be doing. I mean, at the end of the day, when we talk about B2B sales, we are talking about being a real person and making a long-term connection. And that's yeah. what I'm all about, man. So Same. that's why I can no, look forward to the, the evolution of like our, like not, not only me and Dub as a company, you know, but like I'm looking forward to like the continuation of our conversation over time. Like, yeah. you know, like every good thing is like, it's just the beginning of a conversation, you know? Exactly. And this is so awesome. Like I'm looking forward to learning more and, you know, and growing alongside you as, you know, fellow CEO and like this, you know, the project world and like, you know, yeah, I love it. Nice, man. So uh, you are on social, uh, Philip Lacken, propulsionlab.co. Yep. And uh, people need to connect with you. Are you? Are you? You're you're active on LinkedIn. You mentioned that. So so people should go. I'm gonna actually yep. put. I'm gonna put your full name in here and your social here, and people should connect with you yeah. and just give give us a little drop on where people can find you. Yeah. So definitely. Uh, so Twitter at Philip LinkedIn Philip Lakin with one L. Um, you know, the guy that works at Compass and Propulsion Lab, you'll find me pretty easily. Um, if you want to learn Propulsion Lab, uh, it's propulsionlab.co. Um, long story short of what we do, uh, we connect early stage B2B SaaS companies uh, with uh, large, you know, mid-market and enterprise companies uh, that are willing to trade social proof for product, right? So if you don't have any big testimonials or big names on your site yet, uh, we've got over 100 uh team leads uh, with operational authority in their companies to deploy new SaaS. They're willing to try out a new product, um, you know, for uh, discounted or waived fee prices. And yeah, uh, try out your product, give you feedback and uh, put quotes on your site. So it's a really great environment for both sides. Um, we're, op- you know, we have applications open for both sides and yeah, uh, super exciting. Nice. And then uh, in our next convo, I'd like to talk to you about how Dub can be used to capture video testimonials using our reply with video function that can be used in your social Yes. <laughs> so it's so, no, no, so open to talking about that because yeah. one of the things we're thinking is, 
So not, not, like video testimonials are massive yes. and we want to make it very turnkey for our clients to be able to do so 6,000%. I will, I'm going to send you a link. <laughs> Great. Awesome. See you, man. Great. Guys, you see that? That was a that was a one hour conversation that led to a thirty second sale. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and it wasn't a sale; it was actually a free YouTube uh, free YouTube video on how to use the, the free More version. Value. <laughs> totally messing with you, man. So so great talking with you. Likewise, Philip. See you, my man. Cheers. Bye bye.